Welcome back to Disney Dependent. I'm Sarah Chilcott. And I'm James Macmillan. How you doing? Good. This time I didn't say James Ian Macmillan. James E. Macmillan. James, or as Ash pointed out, it's James Ian. James Ian. Sir James Ian here. <laughs> <laughs> How very James Ian of you. Yes. So we don't have our normal chit chat time today. We have something we need to jump right into. We're jumping right in. So we got presents. Yay. I know. It feels so, um, I don't know, royal. Fancy. Yeah, well, it's James Ian. So James Ian <laughs> needs his gifts, you see. <laughs> Where's my lap dog? <laughs> you have a lap cat somewhere. Yeah. He's cruising. Also, as a side note, we're recording in our new setup in the room. It's Same beautiful. room, new setup. We'll take some pictures and vids for your kids. Now James doesn't have to crawl out under the cables <laughs> and the chairs and everything to go to the bathroom. Like Nacho Libre? Yes, exactly. Climbs. The tunnel. <laughs> yes. The girl. Have you noticed I'm on a slant here? Watch. You are. You're rolling. Just, I'm just rolling that way. <laughs> My entire office at work is on a slant. So if you drop something on one side, it will roll without any hesitation to the other side. Oh, well, there you it's go. It's not great. Uh, so yeah, I'm doing like an ab workout all the time, holding myself in place. Anyway, we got presents. We, we got, presents. got a present a while back that I've been meaning to mention from my friend Michelle. She sent us a, well, she had it actually delivered to my house. Yes. It's a candle called Pirate Life, and it is designed to smell like the Pirates of the Caribbean. We That's have right. it burning right now. It's one of those cool kind of crackly ones. Yeah. Um, I wish you could hear it. I don't think the speakers will pick it You know what word up. I'd use for it? Fancy. Fancy. Yeah. Jamesian. Jamesian. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say it smells like Pirates of the Caribbean, but it is precious. It is I precious. I absolutely love it, and the smell is really good, too. Um, the brand, it looks like it's called uh, Magic Candle Company. Cool. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Michelle. It's really awesome that you thought of us, and mm -hmm. I'm sorry that it's taken me so long to bring it up on the show. There you go. Um, secondly, my other friend, Tandal, ran to me yesterday and handed me a box. I will post a picture of it on Instagram so you can see the amazing wrapping paper. It's all the Disney characters, like cartoon Disney characters. It's also Christmassy, which I didn't notice right away, but it has peppermint and candy canes on it. Oh, I thought it was all Jungle Book. No, it's I like it's not. Daisy and the White Rabbit and... I, yeah, Jimmy all of Cricket. Them. Yeah, all Dumbo. That's great. So the whole gang's here. She said that we are ordered to open this on the air. So here we go. Here, here uh, we go. Ash, do you want to open it? Sure. Okay. I'm trying to preserve this. Yes. I figured you would. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Tearing. Oh, no. It is the cutest paper. Oh, look at that little Peter Pan. No. And thumper. Oh, and uh -oh. I need a knife. <laughs> we got some uh, duct, duct tape, tape here. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it didn't go through. <laughs> uh, duct okay. tape. Woo! <laughs> duct tape. Woo! She's a tape and duct tape. Okay. All right. There's I'll, a card. Yep, there's a card. Go it for it, says, Sarah. Team Dynamite Goat. Oh my God, Tandle. <laughs> it's a very beautiful sparkly butterfly. It says, Hey, Disney Dependents and Team, your podcast is the G O A T. 
we goat you some bad ass masks that are the wildest in the wilderness. Oh my we God. hope you think they're dynamite from the footers. <laughs> so it's from Tandal and her husband, Mike, who happen to be some of the biggest Disney fans I know. That's um, so great. They're rarely not wearing Disney clothes. Right. Like okay. us. Okay. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Holy Hold them out, crap. <laughs> they. Oh my how did you do this god where did you find these that is so great oh my gosh they are the dynamite goat on a mask oh my god that is so cute i am so blown away <laughs> it's gonna mess with the audio if we put them on but i'm putting it on anyway do, it. do a mask oh i can't because i have <laughs> i have headphones this is what it sounds like with the mask on check, thank check. you tandle thank you mike thank, thank you, you. thanks and guys there's two extra for our oh other team gosh, members. Oh my god! Oh. You guys are gonna make me cry. Dude, I'm freaking <laughs> this is out amazing. Right now. That is way more than I thought. We were just talking about how we can't find goat anything. And I know. Just now like, it's right over our mouths, so we can't complain anymore. I have to know how you got these, so I yeah. will. I'll report back when I find out. That is so cute. I'm wondering if they. God, I mean, did you have them made? <laughs> I mean, this is just too. She had to have. Had to have. Like, where in the world where did, did you they come find from? It? Where in the world did these goat masks come from? <laughs> uh, before we head into our main topic, we have to hit the weather real quick. James. It's 73 and mostly cloudy at not Disneyland. And 87 degrees and sunny at Disneyland. And that okay. joke is done. Yeah, we're done with that. Okay, so on this episode, we're doing something a little bit different for y'all. We did an interview with a very special guest. Her name is Desiree de Gregory, uh, located in Southern California. She's a former cast member from a golden era of Disneyland, 1984 to 1993. She is such a blast to talk to. She's an absolute Disney legend. She has visited every park in the world. And we didn't know that until we were starting to talk to her. She's writing a book about her experience as a cast member. It's hard to find someone that knows more about Disneyland than her. And she was a blast to talk to. Please enjoy the interview with Desiree. We were talking about the Star Tours story when our dad was here. Um, and he was right. road um, before it was released. And you said you had a story about that. Yeah, I was working in, I think it had finished transitioning to the Star Trader because I started off in the character shop and I, I'm pretty sure it was the Star Trader by then. And a guy came down the exit, which goes into the shop and he just kind of announced that they needed to fill the simulator full to do their first big run with everyone in it. And could we all do it? Well, we're all counting out our money and we have to take it down to cash control. So we all turned to our lead and looked at her like with pleading eyes and she let us do it. So we all got to ride and it was so much fun. It was so much fun. So fun. So yeah, you were there. Gosh, it was, I think back then in that shop at the time, I think we had 27 registers. So there was probably 35 people at the time. That's so cool. Where was it in the, it was in the room where the star tours is now it was like all set up and everything, or was it? 
Yeah, it was just, it was getting ready to do the 60 hour, you know, kickoff party. They were like weeks away from it. So it was getting close. So yeah, it was so fun. I mean, back then we were talking a long time ago, there was, you know, you heard the word, it's going to be a simulator. It's going to be a simulator. We didn't know what that meant. That didn't translate to any of us because we had never, we didn't know the concept of a simulator back then. Now it's like common knowledge, but to imagine it, we thought, what does this mean? It, so it was really, it was great. It was amazing. Have you had a chance to go back to the park and ride the new Star Wars rides? So I actually was working on a TV show when someone called me and said, you need to quit your show early because I have a show I'm doing and she wouldn't tell me, but she just said, think of your favorite place in the entire world and the thing that they're about to do. And I can hire you to do that if you leave your current show. So I actually gave notice knowing she meant I was going to go work some kind of Galaxy's Edge special. So I got to go and work there. And Jay Leno was our first host of the special. And I was in the simulator for the taping when he wrote it for the first time. So that was my first time on the ride. Gosh. I know. I, I mean, my luck is pretty good, I have to say. So yeah, it was so much fun. That's so much more exciting than our first time. We went on it and we had some crazy girl as uh, our engineer in the back. She oh no the entire time, like yelling orders at us. She had already ridden it like two dozen times. <laughs> oh no. She was nuts. Oh yeah. She, I mean, it was memorable. She was good times, but it was, wow. We got off the ride and we were like, she was like 16 and she was just screaming at us. Like, we oh, that is hilarious. Really funny. Wow. Yeah, it was great. I just haven't, uh, obviously, because of the pandemic, I didn't make it into Rise of the Resistance. It wasn't even available for a walkthrough or anything when we made this special. So uh, uh, I'm so disappointed. But one day, it'll one be day. someday you'll get on there and see it. Exactly. Yep. I did just see actually a news story about the Rise of the Resistance being down all day today. Um, oh, yeah. Because lightning struck. Oh, my. oh no. Galaxy's Edge at Walt Disney World. Oh my gosh. Florida. Yeah. So nuts. That's insane. Wow. Desiree, we did a bad job at setting up who you are and why we're talking to you. So, oh. <laughs> but in your own words, can you describe your role at Disneyland when you worked there? And just kind of give an, uh, a quick bio for people listening. So I started in 1984 as an ROP student. Most people out of California wouldn't know what that is. It's regional occupational program. You get credit at school, but you don't get paid. And I did it because I was 16 and I wanted to work there. But Disney wouldn't allow you to work there before the age of 17. And you had to have been starting high school already. So at least your first day in high school. So I did great moments with Mr. Lincoln as my ROP class. Then as soon as I started my um, high school, that first week I went in, applied. I was hired into the character shop in Tomorrowland. Then they trained me as a hat writer in Hatmosphere. I worked the premiere shop in Tomorrowland and then the switch over to the Star Trader. And then in 1987, I requested a transfer to Fantasyland Attractions, and I stayed there until 1993. That's crazy. What an era. Yeah. It was a great, great era to work there. I mean, with the 
Fantasmic and the 60 hour party for Captain EO and the 60 hour party for Star Tours and the opening of Splash Mountain. I mean, it was, oh, it was an amazing time. <laughs> I have a question for you about Splash. Yeah. Remember the radical commercial they had for Splash Mountain <laughs> where they had like a, a rap and a little, a little jig they do? It does sound familiar. It was, it was a little crazy, right? I, Splash Mountain commercial on YouTube and just have a good laugh. It is I, okay. Most, like dorky. Okay. Trying to be all cool and jive and hip hop. It is. So, wow. Yeah, it's real. Wow. It's like in living color, but right. the nerdiest people doing it. It's yeah. Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. Well, think about that era. I guess that makes sense, you know, for that time. It was just, yeah, it was kind of that transition into the 90s. And yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I'll have to watch it. So good. Yeah. Oh, you asked us about where we are. And you had mentioned before we started recording, I think, that you are in your home office that's very clearly Disney themed and beautiful. Oh, thank you. What do you have in there? Is there anything particularly special to you? I'd say probably my most special thing is... I was working on game shows through the years, and um, one of the game shows I was working on, I went to lunch with one of the writers, and with a friend of mine who worked for Walt Disney World, and she and I were huge Disney fans. She just came from Florida. I was here, and he told me that he was Richard Sherman's son, of which I didn't believe it at first, and he said, he literally said to me, Remember, this was like 25 years ago. He said, he goes, Des, do you know who Richard Sherman is? And I said, Are, is this a joke question? I and he said, no. He goes, most people I ask that have no idea. I said, well, I don't know who you're hanging out with, but the people that I run with would all know who Richard and Robert Sherman are. And so he said, well, that, I said, why are you asking me? And he says, well, that's my dad. And I, and I, I was like, no, 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 it isn't. And so once he proved to me it was, I said to him, I literally have every single album that they have ever done in my parents' garage. And would your dad and uncle sign some memorabilia for me? And he said, of course. And I said, well, what's my limit? Like if I give you 50 items, are they going to be overwhelmed or can I give you a box? And he said, no, he'll be so excited that anybody cares that he'll sign everything. And then this was before Robert moved to London. So he was here also living in Beverly Hills. So I took over a bunch of stuff. Two of the things that I love, I had him, I had him sign It's a Small World sheet music and the Sherman Brothers CD um, cover. So that's, I don't know if you could see it. It's like right there to the, the sheet music. So those are two of my most prized possessions hanging in this room right now <laughs> because I do love the Sherman Brothers. And it was, a, it was really special that he let us do that. Until the, the stuff came out on um, Disney Plus, I admittedly didn't know the Sherman Brothers were responsible for so much. Right. I mean, if someone asked me, who wrote all that stuff. I'd be like, it was the two brothers. I would never have been able to say their names or anything like that. But I mean, since I've been able to watch documentaries about them and everything, I can't yeah. imagine how hard I would fangirl over oh, that, yeah. that interaction. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, he it was funny because back then he was downplaying it so much because, you know, social media has really given a, a platform to people knowing people that they hadn't known before. So now everybody on Disney sites know who the Sherman brothers are. Back then they really didn't know. And I kept telling him how important they were to anybody who ever worked for the Disney company. And I even said to him, I think you need to do some kind of movie or story about your dad and your uncle. And then years later, when Facebook started, he added me as a friend. And then one night I got an instant message from him saying, Des, I, my cousin and I are doing a documentary and I want to send you a link with a password. And I, I want you to, it's not done. I still need to get Julie Anders and a few people, but I want you, you know, to watch it. And I want to get your opinion about it. And I clicked on it and watched it. And I was crying. I was crying. I was so emotional. I just thought it was so well done. And that was before the finished version. So, oh yeah, it was just a treat. It was a treat. And he did come down to the show and surprise us and, and meet my friend and I, cause he was so excited. We were fans. That is awesome. Yeah, it was. So the era that you had worked at the parks, I, I like to think of people that listen to music and bands. Like for me, I grew up in a time where the bands from the mid to late nineties are just imprinted in my head as that's the best music. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a similar thing that happens with people that either worked at Disneyland or went there as a kid. And so for them, this bracket of time is the good old days. First of all, do you think that's true for you? Do you find yourself loving this time bracket that you were there? 84 to 93, somewhere around there. Is that your favorite golden year time? Or do you think that it's just as good now and that that shouldn't really exist for Disneyland? I, I do feel like that. that I, it's very nostalgic. I love it. And I find myself, when I go to Walt Disney World, I walk into the Magic Kingdom and I make a beeline to Tomorrowland because it's the one thing that's reminiscent of what Disneyland looked like with Carousel of Progress and the People Mover. So that's my first stop because that's what I'm attached to. Yeah, I love, I love that whole era. I do. Totally. And I think it kind of gets poo-pooed on because there, there was there's a time in the 90s where the parks weren't the main focus. Documentaries about this and a lot of documentation on this era as being like they only focused on the other things, merchandise and films and things of that nature. But I think that's not really looking at the whole picture of that era. There was some really good Disneyland, Disney World specific moments in that time frame that we all love those rides from that era. Like it's... Yeah that Splash Mountain is going to be renovated to something different, I'm bummed because that's, that's my time. And so I'm going to miss that. Right. It's only fair to, to acknowledge that. But as a Disney fan, we have to know that this, this thing keeps going. And it always yeah. works 100 years from now. We hope that there's kids walking through those, through those gates and finding their golden years. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. You get very emotionally attached to things that remind you of the best of times, you know, and those were the best of times. Absolutely. Yeah. So you definitely already shared a couple pretty extreme Disney magic moments with us. I mean, mm. um, the whole star tours thing I think is pretty rad, but, um, do you have anything that stands out as a cast member that, or even as a, a guest in the park that, just really stands out for you as something that was magical and it, it was definitely a Disney magic moment. I mean, there were so many. I think 
the days that Disney had Happy Hearts Day, which they did a lot, was some of my favorite because they'd have, you know, kids that would come in that were ill and um, it was like their dream to be there. And it was just, it was so special. It was just back then when I worked Storybook Land, we used to have what we call co-pilots join us up on the, on the, on the boat and they'd sit next to me. And, and I remember one, one child who had an illness and was just kissing and hugging me and didn't want to get off the boat and wanted to go around again and just that kind of thing. And the parents took me aside and said, you just, you just made his day. You just made, and it's those kind of things that you just remember forever because you know that this might be their one and only time there. And it just, oh, it was just, it was the reason why we worked there. You know, it just, I think is probably true for so many cast members, that feeling of that's why I work here. Mm -hmm. Cool to hear those stories though, because even as a full grown adult going into the park, I have that same feeling where I leave and someone has made an impression and Mm -hmm. lasts for so long. I mean, forever. Mm -hmm. There's so many of those. A cast member did or said something that you just, it's, it leaves such an impression and for someone who doesn't get it, you just want to shake them and be like, you just missed it. That's, that's why you don't get it. You missed that moment. That's right. Right. Yeah. I mean, cast members, they're responsible for a huge chunk of the magic. Right. Yeah. And children are paying more attention than you even realize. When I first started at Disney, I I was working not as many hours as I needed to. So I had a part-time job down the street in an auto shop and a couple came in and their little girl was like looking up at me, you know, on the counter, just like staring at me like she knew me. And she looks at her dad and she goes, daddy, that lady wrote my name on my ears. And he goes, oh, you're confusing her with somebody else, you know, and brushing it off. And I said, well, I do work at Disneyland and I do write on hats. And she says, I have the hat in the car. She goes, and so she went and got it because I told the dad, well, I, I'll know my own handwriting on those hats. We know our own writing. She went and got it with her mom and brought it back. And sure enough, it was my writing on that hat. And I thought, wow, the fact that she would remember this, that that was me writing that on there, it just goes to show you how much it meant to her, you know? It was uh, so cute. So you were there at the same time as our dad. And just, yeah. And you were probably both writing names on hats. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what he did the second time around. He was on Main Street, right? He was he was on the Main Street. Yeah. Well, it's funny because a lot of the times you might not have worked next to someone, but like when I went to Florida a few times, I've seen people at the airport and and looked at them and said, that is a Disney cast member. That person works in the Emporium. That person is Fantasyland Attractions because you see them backstage and you'd be in the costume window and you'd start to get to know everybody and see them walking around in that costume. And even though you didn't know them by name, you know them by hanging out at the in-between and running into them. So yeah, you. it's funny how that works. Yeah. So going back to that, that's how you found us. That's how we found you. Right. My dad's Facebook page, right? Right. Yes. He posted that he was going to be speaking on your podcast. And I thought, oh, I'm going to listen to it. And that's when I started listening. Yeah. So so then 
she sent us an email with, I don't want to say corrections because it wasn't corrections, but like clarifications on mm -hmm. some of the things we were talking about when, um, dad was talking about the, what was it? The restaurant under mm -hmm. the pirate. pirates. Yeah. We we're able to actually come up with the name for that. Right. Right. It was the, it's the deck. They call it the deck. Deck. Yeah. He was calling it like the pit or something. Yes. Or, right. Yeah. Which, which I think I was clarifying with a couple of different cast members. I'm still in touch with former cast members. And one of them said, I think we did refer to it as the pit sometimes Des. And I go, Oh, okay. Cause we always called it the deck. So, you know, I didn't know for sure. Well, my dad's known for having a really good memory too. Right. So oh, does he? He's searching for something and he wasn't quite sure what it was called. I, uh -huh. I was a little uneasy about it because that's almost <laughs> never the case. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Temperature and everything of a specific day. Yeah. And the wow. You wrote in your email was that you gave me some validation in my, uh, what I thought was a fever dream. Uh, <laughs> I, that's a lot. On the people mover, we, you go through a tunnel oh, and yeah. it was like, chaos kind of and i i just remembered i i think i described it like uh willy wonka when they're on yep. the, chaos and everyone's just kind of staring at me including my dad and then you wrote in that it went through the tron tunnel yeah yeah the whole time you were talking i thought oh no all these disney fanatics and a former cast member and they can't remember tron and then i was thinking and then i went on instagram to send you a note and then you guys said if you want to email us i'm like i'm emailing her she has to know she's not crazy <laughs> crazy for a whole a whole bunch of other reasons but that one i was like no i didn't make that up i know it <laughs> that's hilarious i knew i was on the people mover and it was yeah Right, because that was the era of when I started, Tron was active, you know, when I was working in the character shop. So, and the people mover went through the character shop. So, yeah, I distinctly remember it. New Tron coaster coming to uh, Walt Disney World, right? It's not yeah. there yet, but they have one in Shanghai. They have one in Shanghai. It looks amazing. Oh my God. Oh, you guys, I too. So I've been to every Disney park in the world. And two years ago, it was my dream to spend a few weeks in Asia. And so my friend, former cast member and I went to Asia two years ago and we did all the Disney parks. We were in Asia for 23 days and we spent two days each at every single Disney park. And we had already been to Paris and we had already been to Disney World. So yeah, so now I've hit them all and I can tell you that Tron is amazing and Shanghai Pirates of the Caribbean was literally worth the price of the plane ticket to get there. That's how amazing that attraction is. That's what I hear. I've watched the, the ride through mm -hmm. videos and it just looks incredible. I can't say, I, I just can't say enough about it. I really can't. Yeah. Put aside, put aside time and a fund of, you know, a good chunk of money and go there someday because you would love it. Yeah. I, I will take it as uh, homework. Yep. yep. There you go. Yeah. Well, out of all the parks that you've been to, is it is it safe to say that Disneyland is still the home base and your favorite? Yeah, it I mean it is. It, it there's something about each one I love. Disneyland, of course, because I mean I started going there when I was three months old and my parents literally took my sister and I there three times. I think we went every four months, so three times a year until I started working there at 16. And and so I've and I've never been without an annual pass. 
So of course it's been thousands of times and it's my favorite, but each one has something that's pretty spectacular. So that's so cool. That's a lifetime goal for us. We, we want to do the same thing these days when the world is not on fire. Right. And you guys can look to me. I planned the trip for an entire year. I kept all my notes. I mean, when I say I have notes, like I was walking around with a spreadsheet on my iPhone with every note you can think of as to how to get in there fast enough, what attractions are going to have the longest lines, what time. I said, we're not leaving. We are not leaving these parks until we have seen every show and have ridden on every attraction, have visited every bathroom, have tested out all the food. I was not leaving. So we, we did it all. <laughs> we all just pointed at Ashley when you said, <laughs> yeah, spreadsheet. yeah, I'm sending my spreadsheets to you, Ashley. <laughs> well, as we start landing this, this Disney plane, um, as it were, can you, Give some people some insight as to what you're doing now professionally, if you want to share that. Because I know that a lot of people that have once worked as a cast member go into something either totally different or, or they translate that into production or some sort of, you know, because like if you worked at Disneyland, you are a cast member. You're part of a movie. That's what Walt right. Disney was, right? And so I think people will either become a stand-up comic or they'll go on to be an actor or they'll work as a director or screenwriter or whatever the case is. And it seems like you sort of stayed in, in that parallel world. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit about what you're doing now? And also, I know you have a book out that we want to talk about. That. Well, I'm right. I've been writing it. It's not out. I've been writing it. So still in the process of it. Oh, got to get it done. Um, but what I do now is I do two different positions in television. I'm a script supervisor. And if I'm not doing script supervising, then I'm an assistant director. And I primarily work in the talk show, game show, award show slash specials circuit. Usually when you're in that genre, you stay in that genre as opposed to a drama or a sitcom or, you know, anything else. So that's my realm of TV that I work in. And right now you're doing a lot of that production from home. Yeah, I've been working on a game show from home for a few months. So it's, it's amazing what technology can do. Because I it's as if we're sitting in a control room, but I'm using my iPad and my phone and my computer. And so how uh, maybe you mentioned I, I spaced out because I do that. How long have you been writing the book? Oh, it's been, oh, it's been a long process because I've stopped for a long period of time. There was like a huge chunk of time where there was just too much going on. So I started and was writing it and thinking of all the memories and putting them all down. But then there was like a 10 year period where I didn't write at all. There was just too much happening and I couldn't even get to it. And now that we're in the quarantine area of life, I now started back again, and it's great listening to the Disney podcast and your podcast because it it starts to jog memories. Like when you started talking, Sarah, about the people mover the Tron, and I thought, oh, I've got to. Then all of a sudden, a bunch of things from that character shop era just came up for me. So it's kind of it's kind of fun to listen to other people's stories and experiences because then it goes back to jogging my own memory. So cool. Another question as we're kind of wrapping this up, do you, I mean, obviously we all miss the park and it's such a tragedy that's closed for as long as it has been. Are you looking forward to something specific at Disneyland once those 
Golden gates do open. Are you going somewhere immediately? It's a great question. It, it would be rise of the resistance because it's literally the only thing I haven't done. So that, that would be my first thing I'd want to do. I'm very obsessive about having to see it all, do it all and experience it all. So if it's something I haven't done, it's going to be at the top of my list. Well, I think that uh, Batu will definitely not disappoint. Right. It is pretty incredible. And that, that attraction is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Is it your favorite, would you say? It's on Ash's top five. Is it? Consider it when I was doing that, because it's all so new to me, that it didn't really occur to me to include it. But um, yes, it's, I mean, it's, it's wonderful. Oh, yeah. I'd yeah. have to definitely... I'd have to be very, very deliberate about how I would fit it into my top five because it would have to knock one of the other ones out. That's the problem. <laughs> I mean, it's in my top six. How's that? Okay. Have you been on Pandora in Florida? Mm, never never been. been to Walt Disney World. You guys, oh, that's another one. That, that, ride, that ride actually put me in tears. It was so beautiful. It was almost like... It was almost like being in some kind of meditation transitional place where you're so relaxed. It was, it was truly like an out-of-body experience. And until you go on it, it's just hard to describe it. But that's another one that's just definitely in my top five of the most amazing attractions that have ever been invented. The whole place looks amazing. It is. I've seen pictures and videos, but the tree of life is just beautiful, especially at night. Yep. I cannot wait to get in there and, and try that. I mean, I almost want to like hop on board and just go with you to experience all this for the first time because you guys are such fans that you are going to love it so much. I just want to see it through someone else's eyes that hasn't seen it. How about this? We'll let you know when we're going. Oh, well, <laughs> there you go. I'll be your tour guide. Perfect. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, that's awesome. Oh, you guys are fun. I don't believe me. I could talk all day about Disney. <laughs> that's we why do. we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Thanks for being on. We'll have to check back in with you, and we'll, we'll try to make this a regular check-in because you you have a wealth of knowledge that, like you said, we we could talk to you all day. Oh, it would be fun. It'd be fun. Well, and just thank you so much for reaching out to us. Totally. We're a brand new podcast. We don't know what we're doing yet. And to have somebody reach out and actually have uh, to respond to our our little show, it means so much to us. And you're, you know, you're the first person outside of our family who has... Um, Actively, like... Yeah. We have some Instagram folks and people that have done some, like, Q&A stuff with us. But you're the uh -huh. first actively you know, clarify things on the show and engage in that capacity. So right. it means a lot. Yeah. Oh, well, I love doing it. I love doing it. We're really glad that we were able to make this happen and uh, take care of yourself. Stay safe. You too. You too. Thank you. All right. We are at the point in the show where we want to recommend some content to you. Our uh, Disney magic pick of the week. James, do you want to go first? Sure, why not? This week, I'm going to do soundsofdisneyland.com. It is a website on the information superhighway, otherwise known as the internet. What? Have you heard about it? The internet? It's a it's this hot new fad. Sounds newfangled. Probably won't last. <laughs> soundsofdisneyland.com. Check it out. It's got 
like every sound, every song from Disneyland, all the parks, all the movies, basically every sound that Disney has made. Is that a fair way to describe it, Ash? Yeah, and from many different eras, they'll have, uh, this is what was playing on Main Street in the 60s. This is what was playing in the 80s. Uh, Different stores, music, and variations of all the different Disney songs that have come on. Is this what's usually playing when I get here? Yep. Okay. Then it's wonderful. And it's got really cute artwork for each song you select, like the little small old one. Totally. That's great. Yeah, I always meant to ask you where you found that stuff. It's really good. Oh, and they even uh, see how they they kind of divide them up into little subsections. So like the Emporium, Main Street USA in 2013. Main Street USA in 1992. How very specific. Very specific. (laughs) So if you want to get real dorky, which I know you Disney fans like to do, uh, go for it. I will listen to this for, I mean, 6 to 12 hours at a time while working and doing other things. Exactly. Fantastic. in a great mood. Sweet. All right. My Disney Magic Pack Pick Pack? Pack Pick. My Disney Magic Pick of the Week is Pollyanna. Oh? That's a weird movie. Oh. Yeah. Oh? Um. So I am recommending it for this reason. It's, I mean, it is actually adorable. It's cute. It made me giggle. It actually made me a little teary. What year is this? Oh, don't put me on the spot. It's old. 60s? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Haley Mills, she tragically loses both of her parents. They don't really talk about how or why. Why would they? And she goes to live with her rich aunt, Polly. Sounds like a Disney movie. Yes. She shows up kind of looking you know, kind of grubby and gets mm-hmm. thrust into this rich household and she walks around telling everyone how glad she is about things and it pisses everyone off because everyone's grumpy and, of course, she changes the whole town and makes everyone happy. Oh, okay. But here is why I'm recommending it. I am recommending it for the first five minutes for the credits. Oh, yeah? It starts out with a naked boy rope swinging into a river oh okay. that's that's the first scene <laughs> sure. you see is he like you naked naked but oh. from behind L- little boy butt like an eight-year-old boy rope swinging into a river boy cheeks which that wouldn't even happen today let alone be filmed and put in a movie <laughs> as the first as the scene opening the credit. Opening welcome scene. to the movie pollyanna yeah, yeah. walt disney pictures what? naked kid flying into a river this is on i Disney actually Plus? said out loud what yeah <laughs> i don't remember this right and then it goes from there the whole time the credits are rolling it's this kid it's uh whatever his name is dang it i can't kevin corcoran is that right the same kid from swiss family robinson and okay. all of those movies okay the the younger kid copy that um he is like running through town with a wheel like mm-hmm. a, a rim and a stick, you know, a ring and a stick. Oh, he's just, playing the old stick wheel game. You know, stick the wheel stick game, wheel huh? game. And he's just, you can tell he's up to no good. <laughs> right. In the opening scene, during the credits, before the credits have stopped, he upsets and scares three separate breeds of animal. Just Name a them. real jerk. He runs through some sheep, freaks them out. They're jumping every which way. This is to set up that he's the jerk. He's an orphan. Right. You know. Which you know. Obviously. Clearly. And then he upsets some horses and Mm -hmm. some chickens. Mm -hmm. And the whole time Mm -hmm. I was laughing because it was just such a different, it was such a sign of the times. Right. You know? Totally. But this is how they're going to set up a movie. Just feral kids. And I just love it. 
I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it's great. Okay, I, I do actually recommend it. I'm making fun of it, but it's cute. It's a good movie. This is a little off topic, but reminds me of it because we're talking about orphans. Is Annie the Disney. movie version? That's not Disney, is it? I don't believe I so. I would be very surprised if it was. kind of no. feels like it, though. Yeah, it the does. same kind of weird. That is a bizarre movie, by the way. But yeah, so Pollyanna, I don't Love know it. when it was. I have very little information for you, except that I watched it from my phone over a period of several hours in yeah. the last couple of days. And uh, yeah, it, the, the opening credits are worth it. It's on Disney+. Plus. Cool. All right. Well, that has been our show. We wanted to say a special thank you to Desiree for being on the show today. Um, when your book comes out, we'll make sure to let our listeners know about it. We're looking forward to that. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. That's been Disney Dependent. See, See you, you real soon. soon. James, what is that shirt that you're wearing? Oh, this shirt right here? Yeah. Oh, that's uh, Scrooge McDuck. Oh, he's a hero of yours, isn't he? Oh, he just happens to be like one of my favorite Disney characters of all time. Do you know why? Why's that? Because he makes that coin. That coin? That coin. He swims in that coin. Speaking of coin, yeah. let's uh, let's let's check out at the Disney Dependent Bank Vault. Let's do that. Oh, oh no. Oh no. It's empty. You can't swim in that. That's bone dry. Bone dry. Not a coin to be had. Well, how do, how do we fill up that Disney Dependent Vault? If you at home would like to throw some coin for Scrooge McJames to swim around in. If you visit our Instagram account, you can go ahead and click that little link that says Anchor FM. Scroll through that page, click support, and then you can choose your monthly contribution. Whatever floats your boat. Don't overthink it. Whatever you can spare, whatever you can put in our tip jar would mean the world to us. Thank you for supporting Disney Dependent. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Disney Dependent. And you can send us an email at DisneyDependent at gmail.com. This podcast is produced by Producer Ash. The logo is by Ryan Hatch, and you can find him at WRHatch on Instagram. The music is by Ryan Knowles, and you can find him at Ryan Allen Knowles on Instagram. This show is mixed and edited by Deanna Chapman. You can find Deanna at Deanna underscore Chapman. And this has been a Team Dynamite Goat production. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the show and we'll be back here next week.